Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. Good evening and welcome to the show. Well, Victoria Park is a nine hectare triangular green oasis in central Sydney, bordered on its two lower sides by two busy arterial roads and Sydney University looking over it from the other. It was originally designed in 1865 to be a grand garden-like gateway to the university with a small lake and giant fig trees. Here is an illustration of what it looked like at the time the trees were planted, being used as it was intended for communal events like horse racing and the novel idea of balloon riding. And here it is looking just the way the original designers hoped it would one day, citizens enjoying a tranquil escape from nearby traffic and noise. But that is not how it looked on Saturday, an otherwise gloriously sunny day in Sydney. Instead, these people came marching down from the direction of the university. This is Act One of an amateur drama that has been played so many times during the past 50 years or so and become so tediously predictable that it makes an episode of Home and Away seem like a Royal Shakespeare production of Macbeth. Act two, enter the police. We will fight, we will win. Put the biggest in the bed. We will fight, we will win. Put the biggest in the bed. We will fight, we will win. Put the biggest in the bed. We will fight, we will win. Put the biggest in the the costumes are from, from St. Vincent's and the dialogue, transphobe go home and we will fight, we will win, put the bigots in the bin, is by the sort of literary geniuses who scrawl graffiti on toilet walls. Act two usually ends when one of the characters emerges from amid the cast to play the role of hero, gets a little too close to the cops, is wrestled to the ground, handcuffed and thrown in the back of a paddy wagon. Alas, no such hero emerged on this occasion. But the final act did include an interesting twist, which came from the villainous woman the rabble were there to oppose, 
visiting British women's rights campaigner, Posey Parker. Parker, in case you haven't encountered her, is the sort of person these people could never have imagined in their wildest dreams. A woman who travels the world arguing the age-old concept that women are women and men are men because such differences are not as obvious in our less enlightened era. Anyway, here is Parker addressing a small crowd in Victoria Park while the cops kept the protesters at bay. I think your problem, Australians, is that you're too nice, you're quite apathetic, you're easygoing. Why would anyone want to do really terrible, awful things? Because that's not what Australians do. You're pretty like live and let live. And unfortunately, your good nature has been totally taken advantage of by some totalitarian, authoritarian little fascists. Can't argue with that. But then came the twist. Parker identified what was really bugging those kids who were chanting to throw her in a bin. And it has nothing to do with men claiming to be women. They'd, I'm not a religious woman, but I'm reminded of the verse, uh, forgive them father for they, not know, they do not know what they do. And I just think all of those young people, they can't get houses. They're not going to get great jobs for life. Uh, they've tried to find themselves a purpose that is not about doing, it's not about creating, it's not about anything other than just saying, I am. So once they say, I am, non-binary, they can be brave and courageous without ever stumbling across a mountain. They don't have to write a book, they don't have to research something, they don't have to do anything remarkable at all to get social currency. And so we have to, I think one of the things we have to do as responsible adults is we have to change that. So there is something worth actually striving for beyond cutting your breasts off, uh, having short hair and calling it brave. In case you're wondering why she's standing in a park, it's because she is routinely banned by online booking sites and function centres. She also routinely receives death threats, hence the two security staff in the background. But those corporations and people doing their bit to silence Parker's outrageous message are simply sheep being led by far more powerful forces. Sydney University itself was on the side of the protesters. Like most universities, it is a fully paid up member of the gender fluidity cult. It offers any staff and students who are interested a training course in how to be part of the sexual or gender diversity movement, which, quote, focuses on giving a better understanding of the natural variance in human sexual orientations, gender identities and sex characteristics, exploring relevant terminology, stereotypes, assumptions and understanding the unique challenges LBGTIQ people face in a safe and supportive environment. And although they sent a decent contingent of cops along to maintain the peace, the government is also on the side of the protesters. It contributed millions of taxpayers' dollars to the World Pride Festival this month, celebrating LGBTIQ lifestyles, including the T, or transgender people. 
Prime Minister Anthony Albanese marched with them not once but twice and said, quote, no matter who you are, who you love or where you live, you should be valued, equal and celebrated, unquote. So you can forgive the crowd of protesters that Parker called authoritarian little fascists for thinking they have power on their side. They do. But they don't have the truth. American political commentator Michael Knowles gave the trans lobby a quick lesson in the truth last week. At the CPAC conference in Washington, D.C. on March 4, he said, quote, there can be no middle way in dealing with transgenderism. It's all or nothing. If transgenderism is true, if men really can become women and women can become men, then it is true for everybody of all ages. If transgenderism is false, as it is, if men and women really are different, as we are, then it is false for everybody too. And if it is false, then for the good of society and especially for the good of the poor people who have fallen prey to this confusion, transgenderism must be eradicated from public life, the whole preposterous ideology at every level. Well, despite his explicit compassion for the poor people who get sucked into this delusion, Knowles's comments were misconstrued by some media outlets as a call for transgender people, not the ideology, to be eliminated. Knowles threatened to sue four of them, and two complied by altering their reports. The left has twisted itself in knots ever since, trying to explain that calling for the end of a dangerous idea is the same as, according to one leftist, genocide. The twist in the drama in Victoria Park on Saturday happened when Posey Parker made a generous and in my mind correct concession to the protesters chanting to throw her in a bin. She said it was the high cost of housing and the lack of secure long-term jobs that was really bugging them, not the rights of men in stilettos to flash their genitals in women's change rooms. And she's right. In fact, it's worse than that. Those young people are mere fodder for one of the most lucrative rackets of our time. Julia Gillard, as Minister for Education, withdrew the caps on enrolments for universities in 2009. This has since enabled universities to enrol as many students as they like. The government underwrites the cost, then sends the bill to the students once they've graduated and supposedly become high-earning taxpayers. It sounded good in theory, but in practice, it is as crooked as Hunter Biden taking a holiday in Beijing. As far as the universities are concerned, it's a risk-free license to print money, which, along with the bogus degrees they hand out to high-paying foreign students who can barely speak English, is why universities are so obnoxiously rich these days. Australian university vice-chancellors are among the highest paid in the world, often earning more than a million dollars a year. The universities lowered their standards for both students and staff, then set about creating degrees that would lure young people away from more productive pursuits, 
like getting real jobs and starting families. They did this by offering degrees that seductively packaged the naive idealism of youth into an academic reality, which leads to mobs of them descending on Victoria Park on a sunny Saturday to threaten a person for saying men can't be women. The crunch comes when they try to use their useless degrees to get a job. They can't. Burdened with debt, they become frustrated, angry and depressed. A report by academics from the University of New South Wales in January found that, quote, antidepressant use continues to increase in Australia overall and especially among young people, unquote. It found the use of antidepressants in 10 to 17 year olds had increased by 34% over five years and by 16% in 18 to 24 year olds over the same period. It's worth remembering that this is the stage of life when you are quite robust, physically strong, mentally sharp, and curious about what exciting opportunities life, especially in a free and prosperous country like Australia, might offer. It's alarming enough that increasing numbers of young Australians are vulnerable to depression and anxiety, but that they then seek a pharmaceutical solution for it should at the very least be the subject of a serious and urgent federal parliamentary inquiry. Of course, it's not, because if the so-called COVID pandemic taught us anything, it is that the federal government is in the pocket of the pharmaceutical industry and will do nothing that diminishes the profits it makes, even from vulnerable young people. It's, it's also tempting to dismiss this as the temporary waywardness of youth and that these kids will reform their lives when reality hits, as it surely will. But that's not necessarily true. What happened in Victoria Park on Saturday is emblematic of where our entire culture is going. And to put it bluntly, it's into an abyss. Here's a sample of what the American education system produces from the brilliant young Justin Awad on Instagram. What country did the Vietnam War happen in? Yes. What is 100 minus 17? I have no idea. 75? Yes, good. Do you know what uh, two countries border the USA? Um, Mexico. Yeah. Oh, I said Mexico. I mean, uh, Texas. Good. And one more. Um, Texas and Florida. AWOD has posted hundreds of videos like that. Australian kids are almost as bad thanks to our new school curriculum. The curriculum, again the result of a process started by Julia Gillard in 2008, imbues every school subject from music to mathematics with three new priorities, environmentalism, Aboriginal culture, and Australia's engagement with Asia. Most of our school curriculum teaches kids to hate Australian culture and history. 
The inevitable result of that is now becoming apparent. A year ago, the Institute of Public Affairs conducted a survey asking Australians if they would fight to defend the country if another nation invaded, as Russia had just done in Ukraine. Only 46% said they would stay and fight, 26% were unsure, and 28% said they would flee. The worst cohort was the 18 to 24-year-olds, a massive 40% of who said they would run at the first whiff of grape shot. A century ago, an almost identical proportion, 39% of men aged 18 to 44, volunteered to fight in the trenches of World War I, a horrific war on the other side of the world. Few of those men even knew why the war was being fought. Indeed, few historians can even explain it now. Can you imagine how many Australian men would have volunteered back then if Australia itself was threatened? Not anymore, even though Australia is now incalculably freer and more prosperous while its northern neighbour, China, is making its expansive military intentions vividly clear. It's no longer, <clears throat> excuse me, it's no longer enough to look at the daily news cycle or even long-term government policies for the cause of this. The true cause is much deeper than that. The 1921 Australian census found 97% of Australians were Christian. Today, that figure is 44%. To most people these days, this is a positive development that we are progressing towards a more rational, sensible society. But the rabble who gathered in Victoria Park on the weekend, who had the tacit approval of both an old academic institution and the state government itself, provides ample evidence that this is not the case. You don't need to be a right-wing conservative to notice that our society has become moronic and is getting more so every day. This is because the most influential philosophers of recent times have all been atheists, who, by dismissing even the possibility that God exists, have actually avoided the biggest issue of the human condition. The inadequacy of this worldview is becoming apparent, although obviously not in the halls of academia. Recently, three best-selling authors conducted a debate in Florence about the existence of God. The debate goes for one hour, and you can find it on YouTube. I wholeheartedly recommend it. The authors were Douglas Murray, who needs no introduction to ADH viewers, Tom Holland, who is one half of the magnificent Rest is History podcast, and Stephen Meyer, author of The Return of the, God, of the, Return of the God Hypothesis. In the debate, host Peter Robinson quoted the late British philosopher Roger Scruton. Anybody who goes through life with an open mind and heart will encounter moments that are saturated with meaning but whose meaning cannot be put into words. These moments are precious to us. When they occur, it is as though on the winding, ill-lit stairway of our life, we suddenly come across a window 
through which we catch sight of another and brighter world. Yes. A world to which we belong, but which we cannot enter. There are many who would dismiss this world as an unscientific fiction. I am not alone in thinking that it is real and important. To which Douglas Murray replied... Is it there, Roger is, is referring to a very important instinct, which is the thing that should always jolt a, a true atheist, which is that everybody in their lives will experience moments of um, awesome feeling of some kind, transcendence. It might happen with of seeing a person, it might feel in, in, in uh, eros, it might be in human love, it might be in a, in a place, in a building, it might just be waking up in the morning. Um, everybody at some point in their life has to contend with this question of what is this thing that I feel to be true and cannot reach? The atheism of our times refuses to even address this idea. Instead, we tell young people that there is nothing worth fighting for, except perhaps the idea that men can, we, men can be women. And even then, they won't go so far as to cross a police line to do so. Posey Parker is right about everything, but she's most right about this, that we need to give young people something worth striving for. And right now, they are unlikely to find that in a secular postmodern university. Well, that's all from me tonight. Thanks for watching. If you want to follow us on Twitter, you can find me at, at Fred Paul, that's F R E D P A W L E, or follow ADH on ADH TV AUS. And you can catch all the latest from ADH's rapidly expanding lineup, including Alexandra Marshall, Daisy Cousins. David Flint, Nick Cater, Lyle Shelton, and more by going to adh.tv or downloading our app, or find us wherever you get your podcasts. ADH is the new home for common sense commentary, and there's no shortage of things to comment about these days. I'll see you again tomorrow at 7 p.m. Good night.